I'm Jimmy James. I'm Carl Knapp. Carl is a practicing attorney in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. We're longtime friends, and once a week we get together to talk about divorce, child support, custody, criminal law, and much more. So come hang out, because this is Just Lawing Around. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Just Lawing Around podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about, essentially, if you're in a will or if somebody has a will, if they don't have a will, uh, if you're a beneficiary, if you have an inheritance, if something happens to to somebody, what is the next step? Because Carl and I were talking and, uh, you know, I had mentioned some stuff to him and I was like, you know, if somebody who has me listed as their beneficiary were to have pass away or have something tragic happen to them, I would have no idea where to start. Do you call somebody? Do you do you find papers and and get in contact with like I have no idea. Like, how do you collect? How do you arrange that? So Carl brought up a great point that that would probably be a good topic to talk about. And I think so as well, because we always talk about wills and, you know, like I said, beneficiaries, who's going to inherit what, but we never really talk about like, how, how do you make that happen? Because if you don't make that happen, then it's probably not going to happen. Right, Carl? Have you ever had that? Yeah, well, it's true. And I, I think that led us to this whole conversation. If somebody close to you dies, you know, there, there becomes, you know, usually people, you know, some people, you know, they're going to die, whatever, they have a disease or something, but sometimes somebody just dies, you know, a car accident, something quick and tragic. And then, you know, the, the, the survivor, whether it's a spouse or it's a child, they have no idea what to do. And as you were saying, like, maybe they have life insurance, maybe they have a will, maybe they don't have a will, like how do you handle all this? How, how do you even so, figure that out? <laughs> yeah. Cause it, it's, it's, you know, I do this stuff day in and day out and I get people that come into me and somebody's died and you know, it could be a spouse. It could be a parent. It could, could be anybody. And they really don't have a clue what to do. Well, that, that you've it, already generated a question for me. Why, <laughs> why in that situation would somebody's first action be to come to you? Yeah, I think probably in, you know, as a lawyer, I think the best thing you could do is go to an estates lawyer or a probate lawyer to try to, because we go through this stuff all the time. So we have a good idea, you know, what the first steps are, what needs to be done legally. Now there's a lot of stuff that that's practical that you have to kind of deal with too. For example, if suppose you live with with your parent or something, you know, and your parent dies and you know that you live in their house and, and they die. So wh- what does that mean? Do you have to do you have to move out right no. away? Do no. you pay the mortgage? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, like I I have had people come in where somebody has died years ago. And then they come in and they go, you know, we want to sell the house. It's mom's house. Mom died, you know, 10 years ago. And now we want to, we want to sell the house, but the title company says it's not in our name. Well, yeah, of course it's not in your name. It's still in your mother's name, right? Right. Because you haven't done anything. Right. So what do you do? Yeah. Like the, the mortgage company doesn't necessarily know that, that mom's dead. I mean, if, if you keep paying the mortgage to Wells Fargo, they're that's not all they care about. Know. Yeah. That's all they care about. Look, as long as they get paid every month. They don't really give a crap. Right. You know, who's paying the bill. Exactly. And, and a lot of people do that. They just continue on. They, they continue. Sometimes they have a power of attorney and I've seen people continue to use the power of attorney after mom dies. Uh, just, you can't do that. <laughs> I'm telling people you're when the power of attorney dies. I said power of attorney dies with the person who issued it. Right. So if you have a power of attorney over your mother or your father and they die, you cannot then go to the bank a week later and take out money. I know people oh. that do it. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. People do it all the time, but you can't do that. Now, again, you go, you know, if you go to the bank every week and you withdraw $500 from mom's account and the mom dies and you go to the bank and withdraw the money, the bank doesn't know. 
the bank has no idea that mom's dead. Right. So a lot of this is on the family members to start, you know, you got to start notifying people. I guess step one, obviously you have to, you know, you got to take care of the funeral arrangements, right? And that's right. always a big deal. You got to bury the person. Right, but and, can you use the person's money to do that? Yeah, and and I was that's a great question because that's <laughs> always that's always the first problem, right? <laughs> I don't want to pay for it. She can't pay <laughs> for her own that, funeral. <laughs> that's exactly right. Who's going to pay for the funeral, right? Right. Oh, uh, you know, funerals might be ten, fifteen thousand dollars, and then the question is, if mom dies, and and assuming you don't. You know, you don't have a power of attorney, which again, you can't use anyway, but some people do. And, you know, you, you go to the funeral home and they, they, you pick out a casket and all that good stuff. And the, and the guy's like, well, okay, it's 12 grand. So you're right. Who pays for it? You generally, you don't have access to mom's account unless it's a joint account. So well, when you say access, are you, are you speaking from a legal sense? Yes. Okay. Yes. If, 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 if. I die and my name's the only one on the account, you know, my kids can't go in and withdraw money from that account. No? Because, because no, no, because it's my account. Yeah, but you're, you're gone. So aren't you victim? Isn't that a victimless crime? <laughs> well, yeah, we can, we can get to the nuts and bolts of that. But if I walk into the bank and I go, hey, uh, you know, um, my mother died, so I just want to withdraw, you know, 10 grand out of her account, the bank's probably going to say, okay, are you the executor of the estate? And I'm going to say, no. Or I might say, yes, I might lie and go, yeah, I am. They're going to say, okay, can we see the paperwork? Right. Of course, then they're going to know you're lying. Right. <laughs> you're going to be sure. like, what paperwork? <laughs> yeah, I don't recommend doing that. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't recommend doing that either. But it becomes, yeah, it's usually a problem very early on with the funeral. And usually what happens, and, you know, I tell my clients, if you have to front the money, you can then get it back later as an estate expense. So if my mother dies and I pay $10,000 for the funeral, later I can go to the estate and say, hey, I paid $10,000. I want $10,000 out of mom's account to pay me back. And wow, that's okay. generally, yeah, and that's generally what happens. You, you, you do end up paying for your own funeral. <laughs> yeah, eventually you do. I mean, assuming you have some money, it, 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 it's usually a family member or something will will front the money and right. then you do get it you do get it back i mean i tell people they'll keep receipts and stuff sure yeah um but you you know because somebody's got to get buried they got to get buried quickly right <laughs> you know well, yeah but so so okay so somebody passes away the first thing you do is you handle the funeral arrangements but then what mm -hmm. like how, how do you know if they have a life insurance policy how can you is there yeah. ways to find out that they have it what about their will how do you get access to their will like yeah you, you and know? and that's no and th those are all good questions because and and you really people listening to the podcast you really should talk to you know friends and family your parents you really should have these conversations because it makes things a heck of a lot easier if you say to your parents hey guys do you have a will Yes. Okay. Where is the will? Okay. We keep the will in uh, our, our this secure box uh, in the basement or in the closet or it's in the safety deposit box or I left it at the lawyer's office. So you should kind of tell people if you have a will where it is. Okay. Because I've I, I've had those cases. People come in and they don't know. Well, I don't know if she had a will or not. And well, then it becomes what if, what if what if they Detective knew? Work. Yeah, yeah. But what if they knew they had a will? Like, like for instance, say I have my mom or something. They, I know she has a will, and I know she used you to get it. Can I come to you and get access to that will, or would that be a violation of like client privilege? No. If 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 the client is dead, and and you come in and you. I would probably, you I would trust, right? Sure. <laughs> but if somebody just walked in off the street and said, oh, I know my mother dealt with you 25 years ago. Did you do a will for her? She's dead. 
I might say, okay, do you have a death certificate? Okay, okay, it's, you know, here's her name, blah, blah, blah. Right. Let me see. I do keep some wills in my office, original wills. I generally don't like to do that, but I do have some people that say, hey, look, can you just keep it here? So I do have some original wills in my office, but the thing about wills is, and I think we talked before, is you can always change a will or you can always revoke a will. So it's possible that somebody came to me 20 years ago and did a will. They left it with me. And then, you know, 10 years ago, they redid it. With somebody else? With somebody else. Okay, which would void yours. Which would void mine. So they may never come back to me. Or they may never tell their loved ones that, hey, the will is at Knapp's office. Well, let's go back to that situation. They may not may not know yeah right well okay so let's say they made a will with you 20 years ago and then 10 years later they made a will with somebody else but you're the person they know about they, mm-hmm. you know they come to you for a will you don't know that that other person made one so until a newer will is presented or the idea of a newer will is presented they're gonna legally be able to act on your will right correct yeah okay and and normally what happened they would take the will and you know, you read the will, you see what's in it, and then you you have to file the will with the court, which is which is called probate, right? You take the will. Everybody, you know, has heard the word probate. You take the will and you file it with the court, and then you ask for somebody to be appointed as the executor of the estate. So a will usually says. I appoint my son James to be executor of my estate. Okay. You you know, short the short version is you take that to the courthouse and then they take the will, they have to have the original, and then they will give you a piece of paper. It it looks like a court order, it basically is, and it says, you know, James is the executor for the estate of his mother. Then you can go and do stuff, right? Now you have the authority of the court. So now if you go to the bank and you say to the bank, hey, my mom had $5,000 here. I, I want that money. They will give it to you. Okay. Because they're going to say he was appointed by the court. And I mean, they don't really give it. They write it, a check out to the estate of. And then what you do is you open what's called an estate account. And then you put the money in there. So, so when you say there's usually a lot of problems early on, at what point is there usually the problem? Like in what point did, have we already yeah. reached where the problem usually occurs in this, in this podcast? Yeah. Well, when I say the, well, there's a lot of problems. Right? <laughs> I'm sure there is. But, but they usually in the beginning, it usually becomes there, there's in the beginning, you need to spend money usually right to bury somebody or you know oh my gosh their mortgage is due or they're going to shut the lights off at mom's house or they're going to you know shut the shut the uh the gas off and then the pipes are going to freeze so in the beginning the first month or so like there's usually a, a cash crunch and the problem is you usually have not gotten mom's assets to pay that money so when I say there's a problem, somebody usually has to dip into their pocket to pay this stuff, right? right? And then they just have to, you know, be able to get reimbursed from the estate. Now, look, a lot of people just may not have the money, right? Right. I mean, right. They, they might if you, if your mother passes, for example, and her mortgage is twenty five hundred a month, you know, you might say, "Hey, I got my own bills," right? I don't have to, I don't have 2,500 a month for, for mom's mortgage. And I don't have, I can't kick in $12,000 to bury her. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's a reality for a lot of people, including myself. Well, it's a, it's, it's a reality for a lot of people Or sometimes, you know, you'll have a sibling where maybe, you know, your sibling doesn't work or, you know, a lot of times I'll see a family, maybe one, one sibling's very successful and the other ones are kind of, eh. <laughs> so that sibling ends up, you know, maybe footing the bills. Right. And, and then hoping to get paid back uh, on the back end. Um, but you, you have to kind of, 
be cognizant of what you're spending. I mean, some people want to go, oh, let's give let's give Grammy, you know, a $25,000 funeral. Well, and then we're going to have a big luncheon and we're going to invite all our friends and we're going to, you know, have a, a $5,000 luncheon bill, right? And Jeez. then, yeah, and then you realize, well, grandma lived on, you know, social security of 2,500 a month and she had $8,000 in the bank. Okay, well, guess what? You just spend 30000 on a funeral, you ain't getting back. Right. Because there's no money left. <laughs> oh, my God, that would be terrible. So, that would suck. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you have to kind of, in the beginning, most people have some idea what, you know, people own, but you would be surprised. Well, um, I mean, you bring up a good point about the mortgage, the electric bill. I mean, if those things are coming up, you can't, you can't write a check from from their checkbook. You can't use their card to make an online payment. Like you can't do any of that stuff. Well, you can't use yeah, you can't use credit cards, obviously, because once they die, you know, the credit card. Do people do it? Yes. Are you supposed to do it? Well, no. I'm sorry, I didn't mean like credit. I meant like a debit oh. card. Like you know, assuming they had the money in the account, but you you didn't have access to it through other other than through like a debit card. Yeah. No, look, if, if stuff is on auto pay. For example, so so every every month uh, the Pico bill comes out of out of Grandma's bank account. Right, that's okay. Right, well, that's pre-authorized, right? Yeah, and, and that's pre-authorized, and it's really, it's you know, it's in a it's estate money being used to pay for an estate expense. So there's really no harm being done to anybody right because technically what you would do is you would close the account put it in a state account and then pay the bills out of that anyway so well, it's kind of the same you throwing a state around i mean like, <laughs> like when you start i'm for real when you say that like i think like okay somebody wealthy set up this whole state you know now, like what is an estate I, the, the the estate is when somebody dies basically what happens is you it goes from an estate is like a separate entity right it's like a corporation it's a separate entity from the person so when you die you no longer own your assets so they're owned by your estate you may have ten dollars or you may have ten million dollars it doesn't matter how much you have basically all it is is your assets and your debts are no longer owned by you they're kind of owned by your estate so when i say the estate it's just kind of switching you as a person to this new entity which is called an estate now does but, that make, but does that so, make sense or yeah no? but like an estate it's like a it, it's it's not like something that we go and form it's something that just kind of creates on our behalf after we pass Correct. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, when when lawyers talk about estates, they're talking about okay, w what's a dead the dead person's property and debts? Right. Is okay. kind of their that's their estate. So uh, you know, I he died, he had a, a a very large estate, or he died, he had a very small estate, or he had an insolvent estate, which means he owed more than he had. It's it doesn't mean. It's not like when you say, oh, I went to the estate and it was 50 acres and it had a nice pool. Right. <laughs> no, but like, can, you, can you have an estate living like, as, like while you're alive? Can you put all your assets into something else? Yeah. But that would be, you could put like a trust. Okay. Yeah, trust, uh, you, yeah, generally when you're alive, you, have, you could have a trust, which is a separate entity also. But, so, so a trust is like a living estate. And an yeah, estate is, and, is like a... Okay, when you're dead. Yeah, like, yeah, and, and and a trust can a trust can go on after you die, so it gets a little confusing. Okay, um, right. I, I could put all my assets into a trust, and then when I die, the trust continues on. Some people do that to avoid this whole problem that we're talking about. This whole right. probate problem, you know, it, it it's not as cut and dry as simple as a lot of people. Some people say, oh, just put all your money in trust and you're done. It's not really that simple. <laughs> right, no, it doesn't sound like it. Yeah. So your first yeah. piece of advice is have conversations with your loved ones about wills and, and know what's out there for you to need to be aware of once they're gone. What if they, what if you don't have that conversation? Yeah, it becomes, it becomes kind of detective work 
Okay. If you like, you may not know what your mother owns. Right. Um, you know, I may not own if my aunt dies and I, I, I don't know what she owns. Right. She may own a house, right? Well, I know she lived in this house. Okay. I can look up the deed. Okay. Yeah. The deeds in her name. Okay. So I know she has a house. Then the question is, you said something about life insurance. Does she have life insurance or doesn't she? Right. I have, I have no, I don't know. Um, usually life insurance, you'll get a bill. And and usually older people hang on to paper, right? They like right. they, they like hang paper. on to their bills. So, yeah. But I've I've had clients where you you go to their say their house or where they lived, and you literally go through their desk, go through their filing cabinet, look at their checkbook. You know, or, you okay, snooping. Well, yeah, yeah, right. Uh, snooping, or you know, I call it detective work. But okay, oh. <laughs> I see every month, you know, grandma wrote a check to uh, Prudential Life. Okay, well, that's probably a pretty good clue that she was paying for something at Prudential Life. And then I would just call them and say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm a beneficiary into the state of so-and-so. I'm just calling to see if she had an insurance policy there. Um, maybe she And they did, can answer maybe. those questions? Yeah. Yeah, they would be able to tell you that. Um, if you know somebody had an insurance policy, it's pretty simple to get. Um, if you're the beneficiary, you just basically send in a death certificate. And, okay. And they will generally, you know, they'll send you a form or whatever to sign. But if if you're the beneficiary, if James is a beneficiary of your mother's life insurance, you send in a death certificate that shows she's dead. You just have to prove your James, you know, right. probably, um, you know, driver's license or something. Sure. And they send they send you a check pretty quickly. Life insurance is pretty easy. You don't have to go through the courts or anything like that. Uh, it, it actually pays out pretty fast. So, although most older people don't have well, life insurance because it gets expensive as you get older. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so, yeah, we know you're going to you die. Pay more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And every year it gets more and more expensive. So most old people don't have life insurance. Sometimes they have these little burial policies and stuff, $10,000 that will be paid, you know, to the funeral home, you know. But you, you got to be able to find these things, yeah. um, which makes stuff tricky. And nowadays everybody pays everything online. So that becomes another whole problem. Like, how do you, do you have their login and password information? Right. That's gotta be, that's gotta be so complicated. It'd probably be so frustrating to know she has something and then just not have access to it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is, that's tricky. And, and sometimes people find stuff years later, you know, they, they dig. Now I've had people come in and just give me, stacks of papers you know and and i usually you know i can do it or they can do it i call the places and say hey we we found this uh bill for life insurance policy you know but it's 20 years old they will usually say oh that policy lapsed or we don't have that or you know right. they stop paying it or in section yeah. 22.7 b3 <laughs> It says we don't have to pay out for this reason. We're, 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 yeah, yeah, that's that's. <laughs> we're, yeah, that's our, our one of our other podcasts we're going to do. But I do yeah, have another question for you though. Uh, if it's a so, so say there's a husband and a wife, right? And husband passes, and husband has a will that says, uh, I don't know, so maybe maybe one of the kids are to handle <clears throat> handle everything. Basically, he's handing it all down to the kid. Well, does a does a spouse inherit any right over that will or is that will set in stone? You know, like, like yeah. just being a spouse, does that give you any privilege over the will despite it saying that it's being handed to the kid to deal with? Yes. Yes. And, and we just want to clarify, you can name your kid as what's called the executor and the executor is the person that handles the estate. Okay. They're the person that does all the work. Right. But they have to, the executor may be a beneficiary or the executor may not be a beneficiary. 
So I can, I have some clients that say, hey, I don't really have any family. Can you be the executor of my will? And I will say, yeah, I, I, I will be the executor of your will. I may not inherit anything under the will. You know, it may all go to the SPCA or something or great aunt. Right. But they put so you in control you, of dispersing. And, yeah, mean, but they, they want me to make sure it gets to great aunt. Right? right. And then there are certain taxes and stuff we can talk about later. But but your question, I think, is if I'm married and I say, okay, I want 100% of my estate to go to my children and my spouse gets nothing, right? That's your scenario. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can my wife then come forward and go, well, hold on a minute. Uh, we got a I problem want, here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. And in Pennsylvania, yes, they can. In Pennsylvania, you have what's called a spousal election, which means that you can't cut your spouse out of your will altogether. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's so, so funny that they have a, like yeah. a rule for that. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of it is kind of funny. Now it 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 kind of there's a couple components to it, right? They get, and I, it's kind of a convoluted formula because it depends somewhat on probate and non-probate assets. I don't want to get too crazy over it, but it's, it's roughly about a third, I think. Um, so if I die and I have a hundred thousand dollars and I say, I live it all to my kids, you know, my wife could come forward and go, well, no, I want a third of that because I'm his spouse. Okay. And and she, and she would has get a right it. to that. Right. And okay. she would get it. Now she doesn't have to. She doesn't have to do that. So she might say, you know what? Um, I got enough assets in my own name and I want the kids to have it. Right. So, okay. So she so, can choose. Yeah, so she can choose. So it's not automatic. And I have people that do that. They might be a second marriage or something, right? And so, you know, two people have kids already like the brady bunch right and then they get married <laughs> mike and what's her name you're, you're probably too young for the brady I, I used to watch the brady bunch but i don't remember much of it yeah, well, they each had three kids right and they got I remember the house in the car yeah yeah it was mike and i think carol was her name somebody <laughs> will post <laughs> but so, so they each were i married before i guess because they each had three kids so, you know, I, I sometimes see things where, okay, Mr. Mr. Brady's going to leave his estate to the three boys and Mrs. Brady's going to leave her estate to the three girls. Now, okay, if they're both cool with that, that's fine. Okay. They can do that. The other way people do it is they do, um, a lot of times you'll see like a prenup, which will say that. A prenup could, and a lot of reason, one of the reasons you have a prenup is because because you can waive your spousal election in a prenup. Right, which we talked about in our prenup which podcast. So if that's something of interest yeah. to you, make sure you go back and listen to that. Yeah, and, and that's something that people a lot of times want done because, the you know, if, if I, you know, have a very, I have $20 million, right, and I'm, I have two kids and I marry, you know, you know, some young chick who, you know, and, and so if you're Leonardo DiCaprio with a exactly. bunch of money and you marry a 20 year old. <laughs> yeah. And I marry a 20 year old, but I want my estate to go to my kids. Uh, and if I don't have a prenup or anything and I croak, she can say, she can claim against my estate and say, hold on a minute. I'm his wife. I okay. get, you know, I get a piece of that money. Now I don't know other States, but I'm, I think most States have something like that um but if you put it in a prenup then you can waive that that right um so, so what are there any scenarios where where a will can become either void or completely overridden there are certain times when a will well if it's a valid will and you know valid will means you know it was it was signed by the person who created it right and you know they they were of sound mind and they were over the age of 18 you know you you don't need two witnesses i mean you know when we do them we have two witnesses and it has to be notarized that's just to help with the probate 
but theoretically, if if I think I'm dying tomorrow and I take a piece of paper and I write out, um, this is my last will and testament, I am leaving everything to James 100% and sign it at the bottom and date it, that could be a valid will in Pennsylvania. Okay. Because it's written and it's signed and assuming I was of sound mind. So sound um, mind is important. So you can't have somebody with Alzheimer's rewrite a will. Yeah. No, you can't have that. Right. And that, that could so, be a problem. So if but somebody it, who did have Alzheimer's wanted to, for some reason, adjust their will, that's, that's impossible. They can't do it. Yeah. That, that's pretty much, that's pretty much, you, you, you can't be a, you have to be of sound mind to do a will. Okay. So once you're no longer of sound mind, you cannot do a will. And somebody who maybe has power of attorney, can they alter your will on your behalf? Depends. Uh, it's a good question. It depends on the what's in the power of attorney. Okay, so like Some, what, what it says they can and can't do in there. Yeah, sometimes they have the right to to change it or do estate planning. Um, you know, but it has to be. It gets a little tricky because you would have to do. It has to be within the reasonable expectations of the person who created the power of attorney. Right. So, right. so, and figuring that out. <laughs> yeah. You would, you could see a strange, usually it kind of becomes self evident. If, if I have, have a will and it says everything goes to my wife and my wife dies, it goes to my kids, which is most, what most married people do. And, and then my, my brother has a power of attorney and I get Alzheimer's. And then all of a sudden, he does a modification to my will that says everything goes to his kids. You know, someone's going to probably say, well, Carl wouldn't have wanted that. Why would he have given all his money to, you know, his nephews instead of his own children? Right. So it, it kind of, you know kind of it doesn't pass the smell test as we say <laughs> <laughs> right it looks funny right yeah no absolutely and then the other thing i think we talked about and i don't think we talked about it on air but we were talking about the other day is if you go through a divorce that changes your will automatically yes so yeah i did so bring something I, up like that to you and yeah, i and, and i was yeah, shocked to find that out uh, go ahead, you keep were, going. You were, yeah, you were, no, you were surprised because I think we were talking about this the other day and you were like, I, we were talking about something. I said, you better check on that because if I have a will, like I do now, and it says everything to my wife, and then if I, you know, then it goes to my kids. If I get divorced tomorrow and I never change my will and I die five years later, my wife can't come forward and say, hey, the will says I get everything. There's a statute in Pennsylvania that says basically if you get divorced, anything you leave to your spouse is not valid. So basically that provision of my will that says everything goes to my wife is no longer valid upon divorce. And all you need to do is prove divorce. Correct. Yeah. Now, what about oh. like a separation? Like, what if you're not officially divorced, but you've like been apart for 10 years? Yeah, it's, it's and I've had a couple cases like this. When it kicks in is, and, and there's a there's a provision in the divorce code, and there's a provision in the statute, and I had a case like this. Basically, um, it kicks in when you, when grounds for divorce are established. And what the hell does that mean? Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, isn't grounds they, for divorce somebody wanting to be divorced? Yes, but you, it's kind of a technical term. So you, you have to have, like in, in Montgomery County, when you establish grounds, there's something called a grounds order. It says, okay, the parties have established grounds. Now we're going to divide their property. Right. So it usually requires both parties to sign like affidavits of consent or one party to file a 3301D. And if you people are, don't know what any of that is, <laughs> go back, listen to the divorce podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, we talk about all that stuff. Yeah. It kicks in. It kicks in when grounds are established. So I've had, I, I've seen cases where, 
like people are just separated and they never get divorced. Right. And, and, and a divorce somebody, complaint is not grounds, right? No, no. The mere filing of the divorce complaint isn't going to do it. Right. Okay. So if I say, you know, if, if you know, I can see a scenario where like I'm, uh, you know, I'm having an affair or whatever. And I, like, I, I, I hate my wife. So I'm like, you know what? Uh, I'm going to just get divorced and, and cut her out. Right. So I, I run, you know, I run to the uh, courthouse and I file a divorce complaint. And then, you know, on the way home from the courthouse, I get hit by a bus. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's karma. <laughs> that, yeah, that is karma. <laughs> that's poetic justice right there. That's, that's not going to fly because I didn't, I didn't establish grounds. It takes a little while to establish grounds. Okay. And, and I've had cases where either one side or the other is just waiting. I had a case years ago. I mean, 20, 25 years ago. And I represented husband and wife was, was ill, not well. Right. <laughs> and he was like, look, the latest thing as long as you can, because if she dies, you know, I'm going to get most of the assets. Of oh course. My we, God. So, and it was a good strategy. It was actually a, a decent strategy because like the house was in joint names. So if, if she had died, he would automatically gotten the house. Um, you know, she, I think he was beneficiary under some of her, her, uh, like 401ks and stuff like that. So he would have got that stuff. Um, had she, you know, had she died, but this woman hung, hung on and hung on and hung on <laughs> and she didn't die. Oh my <laughs> and, gosh. And eventually the divorce went through and no shit. I think two months after the divorce went through, she died. Oh my God. And, and, and I'm convinced that the only thing that kept her alive <laughs> was, <laughs> was making he was, sure he didn't yeah, get that. <laughs> that's exactly right. I'm like, she is not going to let him get that money. That's crazy. And, and that's exactly, that's exactly what happened. Like she hung on and hung on and hung on. And every time it looked like, Oh, she's going to go, she's going to go. And she, she stayed in there. And oh she my hung God. In there. What a way to live. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a bad strategy. Is that ethical? But, well, I, I guess it is. I mean, he, he wasn't killing her. I mean, he didn't go out and kill her. So. No, but like to legally, like, I guess, yeah. I mean, it's to legally, you know, play a strategy yeah. like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, he just wasn't going to push the divorce. And I'm like, okay. I mean, that that's okay. If you don't want to push a divorce, you don't want to push the divorce. Um. But but the same thing, you know, when you talk about the will, provisions in a will for the spouse become invalid. Also, uh, beneficiary designations become invalid upon a divorce, too. So, if the same thing, if I have an insurance policy and it says, you know, 100%, if my wife is the 100% beneficiary, if we get divorced, she doesn't get that money, you know, you okay. should go and change, you should go and change your beneficiaries, but some people forget or they don't or, right. you know, so, you know, um, you, you want to change those if you can, but if you don't, it would just be treated as though the, the, you know, the divorced spouse died before you. So it would, you know, go to whoever's next, um, right. Next of kin know. or whatever. Yeah, and so, some people don't, you know, when you touch on beneficiaries, some people list a primary beneficiary, but they don't list what's called a contingent beneficiary. So I may have an insurance policy that says I, I give everything to my wife. And suppose my, you know, maybe my wife and I die in a plane crash, right? Right. So uh, now I'm dead. So the insurance policy pays out, but who do they pay it to? You can't pay it to my wife because my wife's dead, right? Um, and you don't have any what's called a contingent beneficiary on there. So under that, it goes, it gets paid to your estate, which is then it goes pursuant to your will. That gets a little more complicated. So 
it, you know, you should have a contingent beneficiary on your policies. This is so much like it's so overwhelming <laughs> for somebody like even me, like I'm not going through this and this is overwhelming. I couldn't imagine it, on top of the emotions of dealing with the loss of somebody and then trying to figure all this out and then potentially having to fight somebody else about it. Yeah, it, it's a lot, you know, estate, everybody wants to be executor of the estate. They all, you know, whenever I do wills, uh, I want to be executor. I, I want to be executor. I say to people, it's, you know, it's a pain in the, pain in the ass and you can only screw it up, right? Because what happens is if I'm, if I'm the executor of my mother's estate, right? And, and my brothers are, you know, we're all going to divide the estate you know, equally. So what happens, you know, what the executor does is, okay, I, I collect all mom's money, right? So I got to find out, okay, did she have a bank account here? She have a bank account there. Okay. Did she have an investment account, a brokerage account, whatever. I got to go collect all that money. And then I got to pay her bills, right? So you collect the money first and then you pay the bills. Right. So like you said, if, you know, if mom has a house, I got to continue to kind of, you know, I can cancel the cable, right? Because she's not watching TV anymore. Right. But uh, but I, you generally have to leave the heat on because I don't want pipes to freeze. Right. Right. And you want to keep the house insured. So I got to keep paying homeowners insurance and I got to have electricity on, you know, because if I go or up not there to get condemned it. or something. Yeah, exactly. So I'm paying these bills every month out of mom's money. And then, you know, I list it for sale and then maybe I sell it or maybe my brother says, I want the house. Mm. Okay. Well, <laughs> then what do I do? Right. right? Then right. can, can I just give it to him? Well, no, because he's only entitled to technically 25% of it. But, um, you know, we, can we've we, discussed something like that before, as far as like, we, Say you and your brother are both on there to, to receive parts of the house and one party wants to sell and the other doesn't. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you do right. in that scenario? Yeah. Now look, the executor, technically the executor would make that decision. The, the executor could transfer it to a beneficiary, but if, if suppose all three beneficiaries say, I want the house, you know, I have, I have three brothers. They all say, I want it. I want it. I want it. Right. I do, right? Normally, the executor, under that scenario, if I was advising the executor, I would say, look, sell the house, just sell it. Or you could do some sort of uh, auction where, you know, okay, okay, brother one, what are you going to pay for it? Well, I'll pay 300. <laughs> you know, I'll pay 300. Getting bro shot. <laughs> yeah, bro uh, brother two, what do you? Well, I'll pay 305. Well, I'll oh pay 310. <laughs> you know, you would have to do the, you know, you'd have to do the accounting, but they could do it that way. Um, it would be easier to just sell it, convert it to cash, and give them each a quarter, right? That's right. But, easier. you know, the house might be nostalgic to them. They might want to hold on to it yeah. for a personal reason. Yeah. Right. And, and you get the same thing that, that you always get a big fight over personal property too. So, so, you know, if, if my mom's house has a bunch of stuff in it, you know, mm -hmm. antiques, you know, you get all of these, I had somebody in the other day, you know, oh, they have all these antiques in the house. Okay. Well, does anybody want them? You know, do they have value? You know, how do you get it valued? Yeah, or like um, a coin collection I, or yeah, baseball card collection. collection. Yeah, and, and some stuff. I was talking to somebody had they had a, a doll collection. A American doll Girl collection. doll. <laughs> yeah, like American Girl dolls. Or yeah. Something. Uh, you know, look. Uh, you know, maybe maybe grandmother thought it was worth a fortune. It probably isn't. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. You know, grandma's china. You know. Yeah. She may have paid a fortune for it, but nobody wants that stuff now, right? right. So. Most of it goes out in the dumpster is what happens. And then who pays for the dumpster? Okay, well, that comes out of grandma's money. So so what happens, you know, big picture, you collect the money, you pay the debts, you know, you pay the lawyer who's working on the thing. And, you know, there's there's money left over. Okay, there's 100000 left over. And it says, okay, it gets divided by my two kids. So they each get 50,000. Okay. So then you pay them each 50,000 and everybody goes on their way. But usually what happens is somebody says, 
well, what happened to mom's uh, coin collection? Right. Or mom's uh, well, car. We, or, yeah, or mom's yeah. car. What, what happened to mom's car? Oh, well, so-and-so took the car. Well, I wanted the car. How much did he pay for it? Oh, well, Blue Book was four grand, so we gave it to him for four grand. Well, I would have given you five. <laughs> yeah, and here's where it starts, oh right? Here's where, here's where the shit starts, right? Well, why why did you get mom a, a $5,000 casket? You know, you could have got her a $2,500 you could have got her a $2,500 casket. Could have got a $100 casket. It's called an yeah, urn. <laughs> yeah, you could have got an urn. Why did you why did you invite 100 people to the funeral lodge? So the executor has to make these decisions, but ultimately every penny they spend, you know, comes out of the the beneficiary's pocket, so to speak, right? Right. So you know, you got to be super careful when you're the executor on these things cuz you can get in trouble. Because, as I said, people will invariably come back and say, well, you you threw out mom's uh, doll collection. Why'd you throw it out? That was worth $10,000. Well, how do you know it was worth $10,000? Well, I know it was. I know it was worth $10,000. <laughs> well, you got to prove I mean? that value, right. <laughs> yeah, well, how you got to prove it? And, but, but people get crazy over small amounts of money. So earlier you yeah. said something about, like, if, if the two kids were 50-50, one gets 50000 the other gets 50000 what about taxing on that? Does does that does that is that taxable? It's 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 not um it's not subject to income tax. It's actually taxed uh in Pennsylvania there's something called inheritance tax. So yes, it, you pay what's called an inheritance tax on it. Uh in in Pennsylvania it depends on your relationship to the person who died. So, for example, kids, uh, kids pay four and a half percent inheritance tax. Parents pay four and a half percent. Spouses don't pay anything. It's a zero rate. Brothers, sisters and stuff is 12. And then like strangers is 15. And they they know every way to take a piece of your money. Yeah. Yeah. So... And usually that comes off the top, though. So, you know, under my scenario, if both um, if both kids are getting fifty thousand, we've already paid the inheritance tax. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know, so, so if if you know if the net estate is really a uh, hundred thousand dollars, and then you know it's all going to children, so it's four and a half percent. So. Technically, we take forty five hundred off the top. We pay it to the Department of Revenue, and then whatever's left, we pay it to the kids. And is that so something get, as a, as an attorney that you handle for them, or is that something they have to do after they receive it? We handle it before. We handle that as part of the estate administration. Okay. Because what happens is the executor is obligated to pay the taxes. So. One of the things you never want to do as an executor is pay the money out, you know, and then not have enough money to pay the taxes. Right. Because guess whose pocket it's coming out? Yeah, you're the one screwed. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of responsibility of your, comes as an executor. Yeah. There's a lot of responsibility. And, and look, beneficiaries always want their money, right? Right. From, from, from the minute mom's dead, they want their money. Yeah. Where's my money? Before Where's she's my even money? Cooled Where's my off, money? Right. Where she's even in the casket, right? They want their money. Where's my money? Where's my money? Where's my money? So a lot of executors get pressured into maybe, well, there's a hundred grand in the bank account. I'm gonna get give each you know beneficiary twenty thousand dollars advance. Right. And then they realize, oh shit, I got probate fees, I got inheritance tax. Oh no, mom had an income tax bill that wasn't paid from last year. And then you run out of money. Well, the money never comes back from the beneficiaries. I'll tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. It never flows the other way. And I tell people, don't don't pay out anything. I usually tell them, you got to figure inheritance taxes due nine months after the person dies. So that's when you're technically supposed to file an inheritance tax return. You can get an extension, but it's usually nine months. So I say you, you're crazy to pay anything before nine months. 
you know. Right. I usually like to wait till the inheritance tax comes back accepted. You get an approval. So once you, you submit it nine months, you know, three months later, you get something back and says, okay, it was, everything's good. Right. Okay. Okay. Now you can pay it out. Right. 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 Then you know now you're safe. You're, you don't owe anything. Now, right. The last thing in the world you want to do is pay it out, and then you have the inheritance tax people, the Department of Revenue, say, "Oh, we reviewed the return, and we think, uh, you know, the house should have been listed at, you know, three fifty instead of three hundred, and you owe us another, you know, five thousand dollars in tax." Oh my god! Yeah. And then you're like. Oh shit, right? <laughs> Jeez. So, yeah, you you got to be super careful when you do this stuff because I always tell my you know, my clients, you can only screw it up, right? If if you do it perfectly, everybody complains cuz it took too long, right? Oh my god, right. it took him forever to do this shit. What but the hell? But if you screw it up, you might have some if real problems. Uh, if you screw it up, you can get, you know, they're going to complain and they're going to sue you on top of it. So, You've really got to be careful. Wait, a beneficiary what? can sue an executor? Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, a beneficiary can, if you, because you have an obligation to administer the estate and make sure they get what they're entitled to. So, you know, if if you do something wrong, they can sue you and say, hey, you know, they screwed up. He screwed up the administration. For I could see a like a, a horrible situation. For example, um, suppose grandma owns a house, right, and the executor lets the um, homeowner's insurance lapse, and then the house burns down. Right? Oh. <laughs> so three hundred thousand dollar house that burns down. Well, the beneficiaries are going to say, "Hey, I want my half of three hundred thousand. Where's the money?" And you're going to be like, well, the house burned down. I to... <laughs> it's not a good, <laughs> it's not a good conversation to be having. No, I mean, no, that's bad. That's worst case you, scenario. Yeah. You don't want to do that. Um, and then we're talking about executors. The same thing applies to what's called an administrator. If, if somebody dies without a will, um, you know, that's called an, you die in testing, which yeah, 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 you learned that one, right? <laughs> I remember that, so you, yeah. You remember that one. So you die without a will. Right. Then what happens is one of the heirs usually comes forward and says, hey, I'll do it. I'll be the administrator. Administrator is the same as the executor. It's just one Because there's no will. The will. Minute, right. Yeah, they, it's a different. They do this exact same thing. But if you can be the administrator, you have to apply. Usually what happens is one person steps up and, you know, if there's three beneficiaries, usually one says, uh, I'll do it. And then the other two go, go ahead. <laughs> right. Right. So you usually don't have a scenario where three people are fighting over doing it. Look, in, um, the, in the interest of this podcast coming to an end here, my question for you is, does any of this still confuse you? Or do you ever have scenarios where you're like, huh, what should I do? Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, a lot. You know, it, it seems weird. And I, I think we've had the same discussion on some of the, you know, divorce cases I've handled and hey, all my cases, you know, I, as we always say, you know, I've been doing this stuff for over 30 years and it, it, it's amazing how, yes, stuff comes up every day. That's kind of like, huh. That's kind of unique. Right? That's kind of different, right? <laughs> yeah, like I have to look that up or I'll, I have to read that. You know, I'll read the statute, I'll read the case law, or maybe, you know, I'll call some another lawyer and run it by him. But yeah, like it, it, it's amazing how often things come up that are not just. You would think, oh, you do this day in and day out. And, and look, most of them are the same, but occasionally, yeah, you get something that's just like, wow, I've never had that before. Well, like the, one of the um, reasons I ask that is because, uh, you know, like maybe digital assets or like, you know, there's, there's yeah. the metaverse where people are actually buying property within the metaverse, which is like $100,000 a plot and stuff like that. I mean, that's that's value to somebody. And I, like, how would you even go about handling that? 
Yeah, and, and uh, crypto, crypto is a big yo. thing. You know, it's like because because I don't know much about cryptocurrency, but I know you you get a little crypto wallet, right? But if you if you can't access that, right? I think you have limited access to it. I believe. Um, I don't know how you would value it for for estate tax purposes, right? I don't know how you would get to it. Like if somebody dies and they die with their passcode, how do you even get to it? Yeah, I mean like a Bitcoin wallet, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, that's what I'm thinking, like a Bitcoin wallet. How do you get to that? Um, it, it, it's, yeah, and, and nowadays with, you know, a lot of times like, okay, you die, right? And you, you still have a Facebook page and an Instagram page, right? Right. So, and I don't know your login or your your you know, whoever your beneficiaries are, they don't know your log. How do they get that down? Right. Like, do you just call, I know Facebook actually now has a setting. Or if it's like a, no, what? Yeah, they they have a setting about what happens to your account after you die. Have you seen that? Oh, no, I haven't seen that. Yeah, it's in your settings. And I think you can name somebody to, to manage it or you can have them delete it. Now, again, I think you'd have to probably give them a death certificate or something. Right. But, We'll have to look but at like, that what if somebody has like a like a something as simple as a monetized YouTube page, and they're making fifty, sixty, right. seventy thousand dollars a year off of views, and it's continuing to make that income after they pass? Right. What do you do well, then? Yeah, something like that. The income is is again payable to the estate, so you would set up an estate account, and the money would just go into the estate account, and then ultimately we go to the beneficiaries. Um, but it becomes a state income and that becomes a totally different podcast, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the estate can have income. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, think of something like, um, and, and you don't even have to do one of these, like, um, like when Michael Jackson died, right? Right. Somebody inherited like the rights to his songs. He owned them. Right. So if I have the rights to Thriller or whatever, and, and, you're and a rich now, man. right, can I, right, I'm a rich person. Or like every time they play that song or that video, where's that money going? Where do those royalties go? Right. Like, do they, are they going to the beneficiaries? Probably on some level. Those kind of things you might want to set up a trust or something for, you know, so it goes on. Right. But yeah, it, it does a lot of stuff that like that. That can get that, real right? complicated. That can get real. And look, it's, you know, it's probably beyond my pay grade, you know, right, I'm sure. Right. You know, but if you have something like that, like ongoing royalties or something, I would think you would want to set up, you know, maybe transfer them into a trust or something. And then when you die, the trust goes on and that gets paid out. And, there's a lot you can do, but that's some heavy duty estate planning there. And you should do that if you're a billionaire, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure billionaires have stuff like that set up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't done any of those yet. <laughs> well, but, we are yeah. coming up to the end here. Is there any final thoughts you have? I, I, I guess the, just the, you know, the moral of the story is you got to be prepared. You know, if, if, you really should, you know, make a list and tell your loved ones, you know, I have a will. I don't have a will. I have insurance. I don't have insurance. I have a bank but account. Don't be afraid to have the conversation. Yeah, it's it's so much. If you plan a little, it goes a long, long, long way. Right. Yeah. You know, even if you just say, hey, I have money in Vanguard or I have money at Fidelity and I have a, you know, a life insurance policy, the Prudential. It, it makes things so much easier. And you can write that down and put it with your will. It will speed up things. It'll simplify things. You, you know, it, you won't miss stuff. Or your executor won't miss stuff. So, you know, have the conversation and, you know, talk to, you know, an estate planning lawyer to get some of this stuff organized. No, no, best. no, no, no. Not an estate planning lawyer. Talk to Carl. <laughs> talk to me. You call Carl. <laughs> And you tell him what's going on and he's going to figure it all out for you so that you don't have to run around with your head cut off like a chicken mm-hmm. and he's going to resolve it as quickly, calmly, and peacefully as he can. Call him. Set up your consultation. We'll see you on the next podcast. 
The information contained in this podcast is provided for general information purposes only. It is not intended as legal advice or advice for a specific case or legal matter. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as an agreement for legal representation. This podcast and parties do not represent you in your particular matter unless there's an express written representation agreement between you and this firm. If you're interested in obtaining legal services, head over to cnaplaw.com or call 215-268-6333 and schedule an appointment today. That's cnaplaw.com. 215-268-6333. For more high quality music like this, head over to bensounds.com.